We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. I'm your host, John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig. We got a ton to discuss today. It's obviously the legal tampering period for, what, like another three hours or so until that that closes up, that opened up on Monday. And folks, a lot of things have happened. So we are going to unpack all the major storylines from across the league from these last 48 hours or so. Let's start the show. Welcome back in, Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. John McCackney joined, as always, by Mario Puig. So since we last talked last Wednesday, obviously a ton has gone on. We were doing a Combine recap edition a week ago. Now we're looking ahead to the established players and where a lot of them are heading next. So obviously there's been a lot of agreements put in place over the last couple of days, but I want to start things off with something that's a little bit more up in the air. Obviously, Deshaun Watson has kind of re-entered the discourse and, and in a year where, you know, a couple of big name quarterbacks are stepping away. Well, maybe just one at this point with, with Tom Brady announcing to unretire. Um, so that, that, leaves, that, <laughs> that leaves one spot open or uh, less open than previously thought. Of course, Pittsburgh has, has addressed their quarterback situation. We'll get to that as well. But Let's get into Deshaun Watson. This has obviously been a, a fascinating and, and fast-moving couple of days as far as, as uh, the, the narrative around him is concerned. It, it sounded like as of Tuesday that he had kind of pared down his options. A lot of NFC South teams, the Saints, and that had a, a bit of a ripple effect. Teron Armstead kind of uh, supposedly reading the tea leaves, waiting for Watson to make his decision as to whether he's going to return to the Saints. Uh, we got the Falcons in the mix. I'm not sure how mathematically that that would work with, with Matt Ryan's gigantic cap hits over the next little bit. Maybe you can shed some light on that. And then, of course, Tuesday night, Baker Mayfield has the, the tearful kind of post um, to the city of Cleveland, which certainly implies that they could be parting ways. And oh, if you're going to part ways with, with their starting quarterback and then there's a guy of Deshaun Watson's caliber out there, maybe you kick the tires on that as well. So what's the latest uh, that, that you know, and what have you made uh, of this kind of whirlwind 48 hours or so when it comes to Watson's uh, specifically? 
Yeah, I haven't thought about it that much because I don't know what there is to think about. It seems like one of those cases we can only know so much. And until we know more, we're kind of just spinning our tires, not really going anywhere. Uh, or at least that's how I feel. I, I can't figure it out any more than that. So um, if if Deshaun has added the Falcons to the list of teams that he's willing to waive his no trade clause for, then uh, I I don't know how specifically it would go, but I think they're involved at that point. Like the question wouldn't have really been raised to him unless it was already at that point. So just glancing at over the cap and, and their file on Matt Ryan, I don't know if this is including the latest update. Uh, perhaps it is, perhaps it's not, but for 2022 this year, they'd be eating 18.9 million to uh, move him. And I guess, I don't know how this works, but they're showing uh, they're showing two void years at the end of this contract for 2025 and 2026, where they, over the course of those two years, eat another uh, nine million. I don't know if this is. Let's see, that's a pre pre June first cut. I guess I should have clicked on this drop. I didn't notice this drop down thing here. <laughs> uh, trade. Um, I guess they can they can do this without eating money if they trade after June first. But I don't know if they still do that thing where they're allowed to do a cut or trade at any time of the year and just designate it. As uh-huh. post June first, obviously they'll need to move him before June first uh, if if they're going to get in on this. So yeah, it, I don't know if there's a way they can technically reach that June first thing, but if not, it looks like they're basically eating like 19 million this year, six million in 2025, three million in 2026, and for some reason saving 19 million in the two years in between those. So yeah, but- it's a lot of uh, yeah, they're really making Rube Goldberg contracts nowadays. <laughs> so it, when the balloon goes upwards and you use the scissors to cut the string, then the the 16 pound uh, bowling ball comes down and then you get to shed Matt Ryan's cap hit. That That's kind of what, what you're describing there. Isn't the, the June 1st stipulation right around the time that, that Atlanta actually moved Julio Jones a year ago? Right. So there used to, there was a time where you literally had to do that on like June 1st or June 2nd or something and that was a way of like splitting up the cap hit the 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 dead money over like 2 years or 3 years or something like that i can't remember uh how it worked exactly because the alternative was you eat the whole cap penalty all at once in the current year if it's not post June 1st and then for some reason they eventually changed it to you can just call it a June 1st cut, even if you're doing it at some other time of the year, which I don't really I don't know why it works that way. But uh, if, if they can do that, then that would ide- that would be much easier. And they could still, I guess, have so much cap space. They can just eat that 18 million, uh, even if that isn't an option. But it, it would seem like the the Matt Ryan contract requires a little bit more uh trickery you know refining before they can move it uh, or at least you know as easily as a player like baker mayfield's contract by contrast sure exactly and 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 speaking of baker mayfield so what what do we think of cleveland right now do do we think that mayfield has a played his last down as a cleveland brown and and you know how likely would it be that that watson ends up there and you know how, how do you view this cleveland offense if, if those pieces are in place now, it, in addition to um, everything that happened this weekend with Amari Cooper joining. Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea what to make of Baker Mayfield's situation relative to Stefanski. And I don't know how either of them stands relative to kind of like the front office sort of guys. I, I don't really know 
it would not be surprising to me if Mayfield's done in Cleveland, I, I guess just for the fact that he's been awful and he's not really like building any sort of, you know, culture over there. You know, it's like uh, Odell Beckham clearly did not get along well with him. Jarvis Landry is pretty tight with Odell Beckham. So I doubt he'll tell you that. Oh yeah. I love Baker. Uh, right. No one, no one really seems likely to go to bat for him. I, I guess, uh, I guess Austin Hooper faved. Uh, I don't know that Instagram, what they call it, or if it's on Twitter, wherever it happened. But apparently he clicked like on the, the Baker Mayfield open letter, uh, but they cut him. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, I, I don't really know who in Cleveland would be like, no, don't trade him. So I don't know. I guess they, guess they could get rid of him. It's like no one's going to stop it if it starts in motion. No, cer- certainly doesn't seem so. Um, that. And then my, my sort of uh, conspiracy theory brain, I know that Pittsburgh just signed Mitchell Trubisky, but, you know, what if, what if Baker Mayfield some, somehow ended up on, on the Steelers? Like, it, you know, he, he waves his no trade, or, or I don't even know if he has one, but he finds his way to just be able to play Cleveland two years or two games per season. I feel like he would, he would try to finagle um, that out of this because this doesn't seem like it's going to end uh, amicably for either side. Right, that would be pretty funny. I don't, I don't know who would even take Mayfield in a trade. You know, you could just say like, well, Houston, of course. I don't know if he's starting ahead of Davis Mills, so <laughs> Davis Mills is not going to the team that they're trading Deshaun Watson to. You know, so unless there's a three-team trade scenario or something, I think Baker Mayfield could be a backup or just kind of like out of the league this year. Uh, you know, waiting for a starting role if he thinks he's above being a backup or something. I don't really know because, like, why would you even sign Baker Mayfield? Tr- why would you, why would you trade for Baker Mayfield when you can just sign? Like, I, I know James Winston has this ACL thing, but Marcus Mariota, assuming his elbow isn't destroyed, it's like you can just sign him for free. He's better than Trubisky. He's better than uh, Mayfield. Like, why would you trade for Mayfield? Like, I don't even know. I'm not even convinced that anyone would trade for him. I'm not convinced that the that the Texans care. They might just be like, give us other stuff, you know. It's amazing to think, you know, how quickly things change. Like this week, three years ago is when the Browns made the blockbuster deal to acquire Odell Beckham in in the the kind of general sense after Mayfield, you know, was relatively impressive as a rookie was this Browns team is about to take off the first year. Yeah, it it kind of flops. Obviously, 2020, they they did well for themselves, made it to the second round of the the postseason and, and got a road win in Pittsburgh along the way. And then this year fizzles out again. I think that, you know, they had a lot of injuries, but things were obviously really clunky there in Cleveland, especially relative to, to expectations coming into the year. It's just amazing to me how quickly um, that this stuff can change. And, you know, obviously Odell Beckham now re- recovering from uh, his ACL tear that he suffered in the Super Bowl that, that he ended up winning, uh, you know, just yeah. a couple months ago. Yeah, it is. It is funny to think of how quickly like uh, Stefanski year one to year two, Matt, Nagy from year one to year two. It's just like seem uh, even, even like the Panthers, Joe Brady and Matt Rule mm-hmm. the first year. It's like some, sometimes these things just explode. And uh, I think the Browns had signs of it happening even before they di- did, you know, because it was just it's like Baker Mayfield is not landing any of these throws. You can't just sort of run so many two tight end formations that you magically end up winning for just that fact. Like you can't just pursue these correlating uh personnel tendencies to win tendencies because it's like you you don't have good players at those positions that you're tracking these correlations for like running a three tight end offense of uh, a lot of blocking 
with Austin Hooper, who's a finesse player, and David Njoku, who's a high jumper. Like, it's it's a stupid idea, and it's going to wear itself out eventually. And when it does, like, Baker Mayfield hasn't given any reason to think he'll pick up the slack. And this year, you know, it hit the fan, and he didn't do anything to fix the team, and it all just fell apart right there. Well, and then, you know, you add the third tight end, Harrison Bryant, who, um, you know, is pretty light for an NFL tight end, especially if you're going to designate him. Yeah, he's the one who splits out wide for them. So he's like a wide receiver subtype of their tight end position that already is very run-oriented and inline-oriented, you know, just... It maybe it would have made more sense, and indeed it would have made more sense if they had like blocking tight ends, like two hundred and fifty plus pound guys to to amplify Chubb that much more as a runner. But instead, they were like, "We're going to take these skinny, finesse, light uh, tight ends who who were you know pass catching specialists in college, basically, and uh, make make them play ice bowl." Yeah, good good idea. Obviously, uh, worked out extremely well. I believe they didn't they make Austin Hooper the highest paid tight end in football when when they got him. He was like second at the time or something like yeah. that. And and after a couple extensions, I think he was down to like five. But yeah, he he was way up there. And I know people. I was talking to some people who were like, "That's not Stefanski's fault. That's the GM's fault." It's like you don't think Stefanski's talking to the GM. You know, you think if that if Stefanski had said to the GM. I don't think we should sign Hooper to that contract that the GM still does it. Like that's not, that's not how coaches get hired. That's not like the working relationships they have with the front offices. So uh, Stefanski, I think kind of looks a little silly for it, but admittedly, you know, he, he could have made the situation worse than it was like, he at least got them playing and stuff, but the the broader vision was always kind of silly. I think. Yeah, I I think so as well. Um, Speaking of, or, no, we'll, we'll go. We'll we'll go down this route. So, uh, you know, we were just talking about how Cleveland made all the splashy moves in the off season a couple of years ago, and it didn't pan out. Every single year, there seems to be a, a team that that endeavors to match that, or, or you know, kind of snatch the the off season trophy, as it were. The, the Washington Football Team, the Washington Commanders, uh, used to be uh, the, the kings of that. The Albert Hainsworth, uh, Adam Archuleta years, but this year. Jacksonville really, really kind of blew the lid off of things on Monday. A lot of outrage for, for the Christian Kirk contract. And, and then, you know, they obviously uh, spent a ton of money elsewhere. I believe they acquired Brandon Scherf, a um, couple other guys, a lot of big signings. So uh, I think one of the better lines I saw on Twitter regarding the Jaguars is the Jaguars are going out there and getting a bunch of guys who were not on last year's Jaguars team. And that alone is not a bad strategy. And I tend to agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I was concerned that players just wouldn't even really be willing to sign with the Jaguars, and especially not at, you know, fair market rates because of Trent Baalke, and he's just on bad terms with a bunch of agents, including apparently, like, the biggest agency. So that, you know, when, you, when, when you're already an undesirable team to play for because you suck and additionally you are dislikable, like, you don't, you don't need to add that third concern of, of I don't know, just, just like not having up to 60% of the free agent pool totally unwilling to answer the phone when you call. Oh, is like it? That, so that bad terms oh, sorry, Rosenhouse? Uh, no, I was uh, maybe like Sexton. I don't know. Um, okay. But it's it's uh, it's not going to help your negotiating position at the very least. You know, like Christian Kirk call, answers the phone. Like, hey, Trent, uh, you'll notice that I answered this call. Uh, so the rate just went up. Whatever you thought it was, it's, it's a little higher than that. Uh, that's that's basically how the best case scenario looked. 
And uh, so to me, this is the best case scenario. Like, I, I was worried that they wouldn't even be able to sign. I thought they might have to pay someone like Valdez Scantling like $18 million a year to sign there. And uh, he's a fine player or whatever, but he's, he's you know, a part-time player, whereas Christian Kirk is a three-down player. And if they put him in the slot anyway, Christian Kirk will easily pay off this deal, in my opinion. And especially when you get past, like, the agent reported numbers of the four years, $84 million, that basically just turned out to not really be true. Uh, you can bet the agent is who was the source on that one because uh, you click on the over the cap. I don't know where they get these official documents or whatever. They got them pretty quick over there. And over the cap, you go to the, the profiles of Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. It's not four years, 84 million for Christian Kirk. It's more like 16 and a half million per year over three years. And the Zay Jones one is like 7.085 million per year over two years, not uh, three years, 30 million or whatever people were saying. So uh, the numbers are not even bad in that sense. I don't know what, I don't know much about this uh, Connecticut and the Jets defensive tackle, uh, defensive tackle is that at the name like Folo Run Samu or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to say his name. Uh, he's actually a pretty athletic guy. He's played a bunch of snaps for the Jets. So maybe that one's okay. But um, making a signing like that Atlanta linebacker and then cutting Miles Jack seemed a little weird to me because it's like, a logo coon is basically just kind of like FCS, less athletic, skinnier version of Miles Jack. So um, I don't know. Maybe those signings work out okay. They they certainly seem a little you know aggressive or desperate mm-hmm. to jump in that fast to to comprise so much of the broad volume of free agent agreements. It's like the Jags have like forty percent of all the signings right now. It feels like uh, as one team. So um, yeah, they're they're being a little reckless, and this is not you know getting Trent bulky, any sort of goodwill, in my opinion, it's like what they're doing is, is kind of the bare minimum and they should be in a better position than it already is. So I'm, I'm definitely not saying Balky's doing a good job, but uh, I did think it would go worse somehow than this. So is it a function of them having a ton of, you know, cap space to work with coupled with the fact that maybe this free agent class relative to some other years, maybe lacking a little bit of that, like high end top tier. I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head what the offensive line situation is like. Like Scherf, for all I know, could be the best one. I don't. I didn't look at them very closely. Uh, I don't consider Allen Robinson more worthwhile than Christian Kirk. So like, I don't. Uh, I do think they screwed up passing on DJ Chark, letting him go to the Lions. I guess there's there's not so much to say with him in the Lions. Like he's going to be a decoy. Jared Goff can barely throw to the intermediate and Chark can run to the intermediate, but Chark is clearly their most qualified downfield guy. So he's going to more so help Amon Ross St. Brown, I would say, or at least he would sooner help him than hurt him. Uh, it's good signing for the Lions, but it's bad for Chark because he's just going to be doing a lot of distance running for not many targets and, and even fewer catchable targets. Um, but he would have been great, great in Jacksonville. Stay in shape. He would have been great in Jacksonville. Oh, yes. He'll, uh, he'll be in great shape for uh, next free agency. Uh so um, I think it would have been great to keep Chark at $10 million a year rather than pay 7.085 or whatever for Zay Jones. Um, in that sense, like the, the Jaguars are actually kind of being a little bit stingy despite spending so much. It's like they could have spent all this without, you know, also cutting Miles Jack and letting Chark walk. Uh, it would have been nice to have Chark there because as good as Christian Kirk is, like you're in trouble if he's your best downfield threat. And right now, Evan Ingram, who, who I guess we could have also mentioned, they they signed Ingram to a one-year $9 million deal. I actually like that one, too, if they use him a certain way. If you have Kirk in the slot and if you have Evan Ingram 
playing uh, mostly in line on the other side, but ideally a good amount in the slot as well, uh, or at least being lined up as like the second tight end on the outermost part opposite Kirk in the slot. That's still pretty tough for two safeties and those linebackers to deal with. Like Ingram running a 4-4-2 at 236 pounds or whatever. Uh, it's a bit faster than Christian Kirk's 4-4-7 at something like 201 or whatever. So uh, that's that's at once nothing close to DJ Chark and his boundary, like downfield sideline speed. But that is a lot of speed in the middle of the field and against safeties and against linebackers. So particularly if they could put those two there, I think the Jaguars offense might be okay. Uh, but it would have been better yet, much better yet to have Chark out there instead of Zay Jones. Because Zay Jones, if he's good, he's not running more than like 10 yards per route for you. Like he can't really be a downfield guy. He just doesn't really have that sort of presence. So uh, if they run Kirk and Ingram and Zay Jones all in that same like eight yard depth, then they're crowding the field on themselves and and that's not going to work either. So uh, there's, there's definitely ways it could go badly yet, but if they are not completely stupid, they could also, I think, make some of these criticisms seem a little hysterical in hindsight. So looking at, at this Jaguars, you know, skill position group, and I'll start with, with the tight ends, you know, what, what do you think of, Doug Peterson's experience and what what he's shown to be a, as an NFL coach and his usage of tight ends when you have, you know, again, a guy in Evan Ingram that you just signed in free agency made, made a priority. You, you traded for Dan Arnold a year ago, and I believe you drafted Luke Farrell just a year ago as well. Um, so that I mean, that's a lot kind of tied up in, into the tight end position there. And you also, again, like you said, have, have Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, the new additions. Uh, Chark is gone. How does LaVisca Chenault fit into right. this? I'm sure a lot of people want to know. And, and is Marvin Jones coming back as well? Man, I hope not. I mean, I wish Marvin Jones well or whatever, but if him, Zay Jones, and Christian Kirk are the three receivers on the field, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. They, they should cut Marvin Jones, in, in my opinion. I don't know um, what to make about LaVisca Chenault, though. I'm pretty surprised at how poorly – things have turned for him in this past year. Like he had a totally decent rookie year. I was always of the position that he was pretty overhyped. And especially when people started saying like, Oh, he's, he's the alpha receiver. DJ Chark's just some bum. Like I, I'm definitely more team Chark than I am LaVisca, team LaVisca Chenault. To me, Chenault is just Mohamed Sanu, but Mohamed Sanu is not some bum either. So to hear people talking about Chenault, like there's just nothing you can do with him. That also seems too far to me. So I don't understand why there's this, you know, such varying opinion on him. And I don't understand why it's so extreme, the differences between them. Uh, but I tend to think in this case, the truth is somewhere in the middle. It's like, you know, he, it was silly to compare him to Des Bryant as a prospect, but also he's totally fine as a slot receiver. And he specifically struggled last year after the Chark injury. And when that happened, they moved him from the slot to playing outside so that they could put uh, Jamal Agnew in the slot. So that was stupid. And so like Jamal Agnew didn't do anything. And LaVisca Chenault just turned to dust outside because he can't separate or push upfield out there. So if like, if, if they hadn't used him the wrong way in the first place, people wouldn't be quite so low on him right now. And, and uh, with, with that said, I don't know how there's any room for him to function here. Like the best case scenario I can imagine is they almost try to use him like Trey Burton or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like the way Doug Peterson used Trey Burton. Because I, I don't think you can have Chenault running outside. I think you need him running in the middle of the field. I, I don't even – I don't think he – I think he barely registers to a defense when you line him up outside. 
So in that case, you know, do, do we feel like Kirk basically is going to just exclude Chanel from the, from this off, offense almost? Do you, do if they're making the right good? call, which mm-hmm. is why it's so dreary for Chanel, that it's like the only way he gets on the field is if the Jaguars are just destroying themselves with stupid decisions. So there's no good way for him to get on the field with the Jaguars as far as I see it. Well, do, do you think in, it, you know, we'll, we'll keep the, the cynicism uh, rolling here. Do you think they are we sure that they use Kirk the right way? Like they, no. they spent all this money on him. Not at all. Do they yeah. do they go for it on you know that they spend all this money? Do they use him outside to to kind of justify that as opposed to paying that much for a slot receiver? So Doug Peterson definitely made some strange decisions with at the end there with the Eagles. Uh we could perhaps blame some of that on a pseudonymous a uh, betting expert out there who apparently had had his hands in their game planning one way or another, which I would not have advised, Doug. I would not recommend that. Um, don't do it again in Jacksonville, and may, maybe maybe you'll come to the right conclusion. But yeah, I don't I don't know if he's like I definitely like him a lot more than Urban Meyer, and I trust Doug Peterson to some extent. But he's going to have Balky trying to influence him, and we need in this case Doug to be less friendly than he was in Philadelphia where he kind of got pushed around by Carson Wentz and apparently the front office. Uh, he should have, he should have been ready to, you know, he should have took a knife with him to that fight at the very least. Cause they, they just kind of bullied him out and he just ended up on the street for a year. And now he's working with Trent Balky. So <laughs> this time around, you need to play that game, you know, have a dagger this time. And uh, cause Trent Balky's carrying a dagger and, and, you know, if you do everything he says, you'll both get fired in a year. And he's got a, a teal-colored cloak uh, as well. Uh, does does he? I don't know. You, you said you said dagger. Oh, cloak, sorry, I didn't. Calls. I didn't know if there was if there was some like uh, Trent Balky incident that I was unaware of. <laughs> I, I thought I knew all of them already. <laughs> he's out there wearing a teal kimono, and just mayhem is ensuing. Um, before we we get on a little bit further, I want to stay in this in the state of Florida. Let's talk about what Miami has done so that Miami and running backs have seemed to be like oil and water over, over the last few years. I mean, we've yeah. seen Patrick Laird get fantasy relevance in two point per reception formats, you know, type of thing. So uh, they go ahead, they grab Chase Edmonds. Uh, so so the ripple effects there, of course, James Conner going back to Arizona, but Edmonds enters this group of just, all, I mean, they're going for like the all replacement level team. It feels like in, in Miami as as it pertains to its running backs. Yeah, I hate that team. Uh, <laughs> they are disgusting. They're going to be awful again. They have, they just have no anything. There's just, it, it seems at best you would describe them as just sort of random with what they do, but that's not even true. It's like they have a very particular commitment to wrong ideas, and in this case, Chase Edmonds, like he's a good player. But he's totally redundant to Miles Gaskin and even Duke Johnson. Like, why do you need a redundancy of a third down back type? Like, you need you need somebody else. You don't need Edmonds. Like, even if you're and if you're cutting Gaskin and you know letting Duke Johnson walk, uh, which I guess they might as well do if they want to get their money's worth out of Edmonds. It's like that's just a lateral move. Like, you should be spending that cap space on getting something that you don't have instead of getting more of what you already do just with like taking up for some reason uh 
like cap penalties to make room for the, the new redundant one. Like it just doesn't make any sense. So um, if they're, it's, it's interesting to see, uh, is it Greer? Is it Greer the name of the GM? I don't know if he's going to be like, or I don't know if he's just kind of like a lame duck kind of thing, or if he's been the one pushing these buttons that, you know, like last year, it's like signing Malcolm Brown and going into the year with, with him and, playing like 30 snaps and, and getting like four carries and then getting, you know, Miles Gaskin, no work specifically after Miles Gaskin did so good in 2020, like that might not have even really been Flores's call. It seemed like Flores had pretty constant disagreements with the front office there. Mm-hmm. So um, if this is just the front office, like making a decision for McDaniel, then that doesn't make him look particularly good. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think Edmonds is a fine player. He'll probably do okay with whatever number of snaps they give him, but I'm worried about uh, the quality of those snaps, certainly, and also the consistency. Like if, if uh, I mean, I guess Flores was the one yanking Brown and Gaskin in and out of the lineup, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I would be surprised if, if um, McDaniel we're truly free to run the team that he wants the, the way that he wants to. Or, uh, so I, I, I guess going off of that, because McDaniel is something of an unknown, we, we haven't seen him in a head coaching position just yet, obviously was able to to help and you know, there, there will be a distinction and we'll, we'll figure out how much of the, the, the 49ers success on the ground was, was McDaniel and how much of it was Shanahan. I'm, I'm willing to bet it was mostly Shanahan, but certainly oh, yeah. McDaniel probably added some wrinkles in there. So do we think that McDaniel can be the type of coach that that can get production that's greater than the sum of its parts from the from the run game just by his X's and O's acumen, or, or are we kind of uh, doubting that, that that can come together for this Miami team? Well, it was definitely Shanahan who was responsible for the 49ers production, but McDaniel could still be good, like just because Shanahan was the reason that it worked that well. In that case, doesn't mean that if Shanahan weren't there, McDaniel couldn't have gotten a similar sort of return. Uh, you know, you got a case like Matt LaFleur being behind Sean McVay, for instance. It's like clearly didn't invent anything, still turned out rather good, uh, even as an understudy. But uh, to be honest, I don't know that much about McDaniel. I don't know much about his history, especially. Um, I know he's talked a little bit about running the ball, and I know that made certain people very upset. Oh yeah. Um, but to say that you know what running the football means is like unforgivable. You can't to, no. to so much as, as be familiar with the concept is deeply suspicious. And uh, McDaniel, <laughs> McDaniel was like, "Oh yeah, I want to do that sometimes." It's like, oh my god, get him out of here. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think he'll probably end up failing, but for different reasons. I don't. I don't think we need if if it, if he does fail. We don't need to worry about them running too much. They'll be losing. You know, if, if he's running too much, we're complaining about how they're winning games, which uh, they'll do that. Those particular people that I was talking about, they'll definitely complain if they are winning and running because it's better to pass and lose. Right. Of, of course. And, and, you know, when you have someone like, like Tua who hasn't looked awesome thus far, oh, maybe oh, running the ball is good. A, is a good idea. Are you allowed yeah, to say how do that? I skip that? Sure. How did I skip that part? Tua, by the way, it sounds real bad, man. Like it sounds like people who are close to the team or, or were recently close to the team are going around telling anyone who listens, just like, you can't play. You can't do anything. It's no He's not it chief. Yeah. And it's, it seems like the people saying this are saying it with like an indiscretion and, and like aggressiveness that you just don't see. It's like, like they're, ch- it's like, they're trying to warn us. Like two is really bad. <laughs> yeah. Run for your life. Yeah. Look out. 
Oh um, man. So, so, uh, yeah, maybe running the ball is a good idea. Um, hopefully that, that doesn't get, um, they're saying that doesn't get us like uh, blacklisted from, from Twitter or something. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see a little bit of breaking news, Mario, uh, that, that we just ran into, uh, Adam Schefter reporting a, a, a bit of a reversal fr- from some news yesterday. Running back J.D. McKissick, who intended to sign a two-year, $7 million deal with the Buffalo Bills, changed his mind back in Washington. Oh, yeah. There we go. All right. Um, hey, credit to credit to the Bills for not matching the offer, I guess. Uh, they were lucky that, the, the, that Washington signed McKissick. He's useless. Uh, he, if you have a use for him, your team is losing and you suck. So to me, that's just a categorically useless player. Like I'm taking a developmental player. If I'm in that scenario, I'm not, I'm not just being make work for, uh, the, the nearest guy who knows how to do a blitz pickup or whatever. I mean, JD McKissick is a running back who will catch you about 80% of his targets for 5.4 yards per target. And in the bills offense, there's very much no use for that he would have he would have been like a healthy scratch on that team because even when they're in a passing situation uh they're not throwing to the running backs really it's like in the situation where um whatever i guess it was more so kyle allen and alex smith in a situation when alex smith or kyle allen are throwing the ball to mckissick it's a scenario where josh allen's running for nine yards so Hmm. he would have done nothing at all with the bills and the bills are lucky that washington is uh, so dumb that they preempted them from being stupid too and you know Singletary and, and Moss can already catch. So yeah, uh, especially I don't know if Singletary really can, but Moss definitely can. Um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It, it's ridiculous. McKissick is just not good. He's he's specifically someone that you need to destroy your offense to have a pretext for using him. It's it's ridiculous. But the, the analytics say you got to get this pass catching running back. Like no, the analytics say you need to not lose like you will if you put McKissick on the field. So, you know, knowing what we know about uh, Washington's coaching staff and, and you know, it, it's it obviously wanted McKissick back, of course. Oh, yeah. Scott Turner what? loves him. Scott Turner is just he, he really thinks McKissick is the key to, over the moon about know, him. But to, what does this mean for Antonio Gibson? It means you're not doing all that much. They're not nearly as much as you should anyway. Uh, Gibson's a better pass catcher than McKissick. It's it's completely manufactured the necessity for McKissick in this offense. Like he's just not as good as other people they could put on the field, but Scott Turner, you know, it doesn't help in my opinion that he's such a clear uh, nepotism case. He has not been held to accountability standards that other people tend to in their lives. So I don't think he's um, got enough of a distaste for failure and and short sightedness. And I I think that he's committed to uh, both basically. Scathing, but Tremendous, as per usual. Uh, before we get on over to uh, our next couple of storylines, we got a message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we got a message from our friends over at WinBet. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Roadwire's fantasy podcast, WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in nine states. That's Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today, make a qualifying deposit, and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. It's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. All right, Mario, we got a couple more things to, to get to here. Your thoughts on the Devontae Adams kind of su- surprising, maybe not surprising, a bit of drama where he is not going to be playing on the franchise tag. Well, I managed to be surprised by, I guess, like how serious the situation is, how much it's already escalated or threatens to escalate in the near future. I definitely assumed he wouldn't play on the franchise tag, but I also assumed that they, I thought like Rodgers and him had been conspiring since like October to have these details already hammered out. And uh, I don't know if, like, I don't know if Rodgers was caught off guard by this. Like, it seems hard to believe, right, that Rodgers would hear this and be like, what? And like, right. I wouldn't have re-signed if I knew that. Like, how how the hell would you not know this? So it all, for that reason, looks confusing to me. And I, I don't know if this is one of those things I can figure out from where we're sitting. But uh, 
it, it seems at the very least more likely than I thought previously that Adams really does get moved because he can't agree to a contract with the Packers because he's seeking like 30 plus million per year or something like that. And I thought, you know, previously that we heard that. And uh, I thought at the time that it meant like him and Rogers were conspiring to outprice themselves from what the Packers could pay and thus forcing the Packers to trade both probably to Denver. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why it still turned out to be true that they were looking for like 80 million combined. Uh, but this time with Rogers seemingly not carrying out that demand of, of being on the same team as Adams. And we thought it would be the vice versa too. So uh, if Adams is willing to go to another team, then he's clearly nixed uh, at least the vice versa part of that. And maybe, you know, it's just kind of, maybe both of them nixed it. Maybe they, maybe they actually did mean it was the last, uh, the last dance between the two of them. Uh, even if Rogers stayed in green Bay or whatever, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like Rogers wouldn't have, gone back and, and you would have thought like the, you would have right? thought i have no idea why it's gone on to this extent i really have no clue yeah so now, now the packers are are in a bind and, and then you know if you look at some of the cap casualties it could be guys that that rogers is like famously friend you know like you can clear up plenty of space um with you know a, a, like cutting a randall cobb or something and like is that going to make aaron Rodgers mad like everything is it, it all flows back to just kind of um you know, placating Aaron Rodgers and making him happy and, and, you know, to, to make cer- certain sacrifices that would make him mad, but you also have, you need to have Devontae Adams, especially if you look at the rest of that receiving core. Right. It looks like they're going to let Valdez Scantling maybe walk depending on how lively his market is. So uh, they might be without him. In addition to de- being without Devontae, they probably have good reason for cutting Cobb, I guess, that's only to say though they'd never had a good reason to trade for him and Rogers kind of made them. So maybe he can make them keep him. I don't know. Uh, so maybe Cobb is gone. Maybe not. If they don't get some speed though, and they're stuck with Lazard outside Cobb in the slot, uh, then yeah, that could, that could get a little bit cramped on Rogers. We might see him revert to three years ago or whenever it was when he kind of had like seven yards per pass or whatever it was. Um, I think they could actually restock pretty quickly, especially if they can if they can actually trade Adams for you know the, the customary return of a franchise tag thing. Then I think this is a pretty nice class to start you know shooting some bullets at, try to get some wide receivers because uh, you're probably going to get a couple good ones here and, and ones who can play right away too. So I think the Packers can still be good even if they don't have Adams, but like it requires a sort of urgency to address the situation that they can't even show right now and it gets because like they they have to just kind of like reach a conclusion with Adams right now to address the possibility of him leaving you know like if if they find out in uh you know late April oh we really can't re-sign him now we really have to trade him or whatever then they missed on Allen Robinson whatever Will Fuller all the all the free agents there still are are not going to be available at that point Right, so so this this needs to get settled uh, sooner rather than later. If you're Green Bay, um, looking around just elsewhere, any teams that, that you feel like have done particularly well for themselves uh, thus far in free agency, and any other teams that you're surprised by maybe their lack of inactivity so far? Um, I thought Moali Cox resigning for eighteen million on three years for the Colts was a pretty good re-signing. I saw that people were. 
uh, kind of criticizing Ballard for not doing anything else, but I don't know what else they're supposed to do. Uh, they, they, you know, they're they're kind of in their position and, and getting Mo Ali Cox, in my opinion, was was a good move. Uh, sometimes there's just not much else to do. Um, I think the Cowboys are rapidly deteriorating. I mean, there's that Cooper trade from last weekend, and um, not that re-signing Cedric Wilson would have been some sort of you know slam dunk assurance that they'll be good still, but. Losing Cedric Wilson to the Dolphins, Gallup having a week 16 ACL tear, trying to come back from that, uh, keeping Dalton Schultz, but losing Cooper and losing Wilson, I think is pretty bad because uh, Dalton Schultz can only run about nine yards downfield if that, and uh, can't block, can't really hold up in traffic that well because he's skinny and he has short arms. So he's going to all of a sudden find a much more crowded field with no Amari Cooper pulling away defenders, creating the space that he thrived in last year. And uh, I kind of worry about the whole offense falling apart. They might have to get rid of Lyle Collins. Uh, Their cap situation is all screwed up uh, for a lot of reasons. It's not just a lot of people like to say it's just the Ezekiel Elliott contract. Zeke's contract is not big enough to explain the level of dysfunction with Dallas's cap situation. So they're going to end up a lot worse going into next year with year two of McCarthy. And I think we know how this ends. I I think so as well. Um, It it was funny on on Monday when like 10 different NFL news sources all tweeted the same thing about um, Demarcus Lawrence's contract or something it all had the same exact language like (laughs) the first nfl defensive end to wear number 90 to have uh you know his money guaranteed for seven years in a row yeah so that was pretty pretty what what i want to do next time if i'm the that source who that agent or whatever who sent it to those three people at the same time i'm next time sending a, a screen capture that says so they can't copy and paste it so then they all have to type it as fast as they can. Ah. And we'll, we'll see like a couple of funny typos and like Tom Pelissero's that Schefter didn't have. And you can, you can see like, oh, Tom's Tom's a faster typer, but uh, Adam's uh, accuracy is better. Uh, like the, the Dark Knight with the, with the pool cue. We're going to have trouble. One of them, there's going to be like the three of them are going to tweet out wrong first drafts and then delete them at the same time. And everyone's going to be like, what the hell's going on? Did they sign him or not? <laughs> We we could use that honestly. We we could yeah. use a little bit of shakeup rather than um you know just eighteen tweets with with the same exact uh, language from you know obviously coming from uh, the same place. Anything else that we haven't gotten to yet that you wanted to to dive into a little bit before we sign off here, Mario? I guess Russell Gage going to the Buccaneers is kind of interesting, but I don't know what they imagine they're going to do exactly because Gage can only play the slot and. I'm not convinced he's particularly good even there. Like I think defense is kind of letting him run free and focusing on Kyle Pitts, uh, probably even Corderell more than him. Uh, and that's the position that Chris Godwin has always played. Now, like Godwin could play outside probably, but I haven't I haven't seen like that specific uh, declaration because if, if they plan on making Gage play outside and keeping Godwin in the slot, I don't I don't I think that's ten on eleven at that point. Right. That 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 doesn't seem to, to make sense to me either. Maybe it's uh, slot insurance to, to give Godwin some time to, you know, get back. Well, to he's got to play because they're giving him 10. Uh, Gage has to play because they're giving him 10 million a year. So mm-hmm. it's like he's going out there somewhere. Well, I mean, aren't they kind of like overstocked on uh, slot receivers to begin with? I mean, they, they just spent a draft pick on Jalen Darden a year ago, if I remember correctly. 
Yeah, um, I, Tyler Johnson is is I more guess, of, a, of an outside guy, but still, I mean, uh, he's he's even kind of lacking like the speed to do that. So he might be better as like a big slot himself. But uh, they do have Cyril Grayson, I assume, and he actually looked pretty convincing last year. I thought so. Yeah, maybe, maybe Cyril Grayson, uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans is their starting loadout, and maybe they managed to get Gage. You know, 650 slot snaps because they go into trips and they go into four wide often enough to do that. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see what, what happens there. But yeah, certainly I, I didn't see that one coming uh, for, for Tampa Bay. And then on the other side, boy, what is on the Falcons as far as re- receiving talent right now? I, I'm not sure that there's really any. Uh, they the kept Olamide Zacchaeus. So yeah, I mean, we actually like him more than we love game. him, but as like your wide receiver four, as a slot receiver only, and like you don't really want a five eight guy playing outside unless he's as fast as Tyreek. Um, so uh, they Kyle Pitts is basically the answer, and I don't know what else because they have some guys on that team that would never be on my ninety man roster, let alone a fifty three man roster. You know, like Christian Blake, just. A joke, like get get some real NFL players in here at the very least. Like I tried to Frank Darby after he ran like a four six, and it's like, oh, he's a downfield threat who plays faster than he times. Like, no, he just looks faster than he is, and he's not going to be any good in the NFL. Yeah, because the Arizona State uniforms make you look fast or something. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, does it does this shape how they address the their, their you know the top of the draft? Because I also feel like they just simply they. They can't go with the receiver in the first round. There are too many other massive needs on this Falcons team to where they're they're taking a receiver with their first pick. But but you look at that receiving core now, it's like oh well maybe. Yeah, I I guess they should try to cha- uh, trade back. Maybe their offensive line was awful for sure. So mm-hmm. uh, the thing is, they have Jake Matthews at left tackle. So uh, traditionally, when you're drafting an offensive lineman that high, it's a left tackle, and uh, in this case, they can only get a right tackle. There's still a case for making that pick, I guess, but uh, they also have enough needs, quite pertinently, including wide receiver that, yeah, maybe they should try to trade back or something and just kind of take anybody at receiver with the extra pick and and take an offensive lineman like the one who falls the furthest or something. Maybe they'll be lucky and it'll be a worse case or something. Right. Yeah, no, that that would be that'd be the ideal right now. But but either way, the the Falcons. Looking, they like, suck. <laughs> They're so bad. It's not not great. Not great. We'll have to see uh, how they approach uh, this draft, especially in light of how free agency has gone to this point. But that's going to round things out for this edition, the free agency frenzy edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet for Mario Puig. I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. 
For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.